Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey, it's Rocky Lalvani, the Profit Answer Man, sitting in for the amazing Josh Carey on The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Today, we have Nithi Jamdar on to share his journey and how he got to where he is today. Nithi, can you start us off with kind of the beginning? Because you're an immigrant to the United States, right? Yes. First of all, thank you for having me, Rocky. Really appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, so I uh, grew up uh, in India. Um, I came to the U.S. to, to study really when I was around my early 20s. And um, never left. <laughs> was that easy to make that transition from India to the U.S.? Um, it was. It was relatively okay, I guess, because um, you know, even before I moved here, I, I visited the U.S. a few times, um, and my parents, you know, used to come here pretty regularly. So um, it wasn't that much of a, of a cultural transition. It was. It was easier. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting. And it really depends on, I think, when you come and how comfortable yes. you are and in the whole route of what that uh, what that looks like. So you came here to study and then what happened next? So, you know, I came here to study and um, sort of followed the traditional path that society tells you. Right. So get an education, um, get a get a job right out of college you know, climb the corporate ladder, get a promotion every two years and and try to try to basically live the American dream. But, you know, as that was at least that was the idea <laughs> when I started climbing the corporate ladder. And then uh, I think the higher up you go in corporate, the more kind of disillusion you get a little bit. At least that's that was that was me. Um, and, you know, I, I did a, a lot of the things that were expected. Right. I was in theory, I was checking off all the all the goals. Um, of getting a promotion. I was in a fast track in my company and, and leadership programs and all that stuff. Uh, but I think a, um, uh, there was a reality check when we one of our, the first kid was born uh, six years back. And, you know, I always say when, you, when you're holding a, a crying baby, it gives you a, a new reality check. <laughs> and you think about, wait, where, is this everything that I wanted to do? Now I got to take care of, you know, this uh, little baby and, um, and plan and do something to make sure that, um, you know, they have the kind of life that, that I want for them. Were you working a lot of hours then? Was that what the issue was? Absolutely. So, you know, I was working um, 12 to 14 hours, Um, you know, there was weekends and because I was sort of in a um, uh, strategy leadership role, um, there was a lot of expectations and sometimes I had to cut short my vacations. And (laughs) so it was, you know, it came with uh, with all the, I mean, I I loved what I did, honestly, like I really liked the job and I liked the people that I worked with. 
um, but I think it was more the um, the stress and the fact that I couldn't really spend that much time with my family. And that's difficult. I mean, you only get one. You get. I, I say when you have kids, you have eighteen years, right? In the sense of from birth to eighteen, and then they kind of launch off and they're gone. And if you miss that, you're not going to get it back. So you need to be intentional with your life and pick out what it was. Yes. Was it hard to walk away from that corporate job? Um, it wasn't actually because um, I was mentally preparing for it for like years, uh, for okay. three to four years. Um, and we did it kind of in phases. So my wife and I both, um, you know, run the real estate side of the business together. Uh, so she quit her job first about three or four years back. And then I was doing nights and weekends on the business. And then, so we sl slowly kind of transitioned. Uh, then I was, you know, slowly transitioned out into the business. So it wasn't, uh, it was, and I think the pandemic kind of, you know, in, in a sense, eased my way into it because I was working from home for a few months and then I decided to kind of quit mid last year. Oh, so you only, okay. Cause you had said it was a six year journey, but you only left mid last year. So this yeah. is relatively, relatively recently. Yep. <laughs> How has it been since you left? Is it what you expected? Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, I you know it was everything that I that I wanted um, in terms of one, the business kind of needed me because um, Palak, my wife, was running the business, and I, I could only do so much. And it was getting to the point where we it was hurting the growth of the business, and we we're like, well, we can't we can't do that. Um, and then second, just the time that I have now in terms of complete control over how I spend my time, right? I can choose to take a day off whenever I want. I can spend time with the kids. I can, I, we still work very hard, but we do it on our own terms. And having that freedom is important to be able to do it on your terms. It's not that you don't want to work. You just want to work on your terms and, and exactly. do it the way that, uh, that it works for you. Was it hard for your wife to walk away? Um, for her, actually, it was um, it was a lot easier. It, it, for, at that time, it was more of a financial decision for us. That was the tough part because uh, we built our lives just like most people do. I think in the US, you built your lives around your paycheck, right? So we had a big mortgage <laughs> and we had built our lifestyle in a way that it was built around two salaries. And so we had to kind of ease into it. We have to buy a, a few rental properties to make sure it matched her uh, income. And then, and then she quit. But for her, um, the need was so, um, the need to be with the kids was so strong. She's like, I don't care. I'll, even if I don't do anything, I'm happy to quit and um, just spend time with them. So in the emotionally and that, that, the personal side of the, the decision was easy. It was more the financial one. We had to work her out. Kids are uh, strong motivators. <laughs> Absolutely. So did you downsize your life in order to make that happen? We, di we didn't as much as we thought we'd need to. Uh, we were prepared to. We were like, all right, maybe, you know, worst case scenario, we'd just get, um, sell the house that we lived in, you know, rent a different place um, for a couple of years. We didn't have to, thankfully, I think, because the fact that we had a couple of rentals helped, but we also were growing it very, very quickly. So we kind of knew that we didn't uh, we didn't need to go down that that path. So that was good. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. What you've done now is to kind of 
create a framework to help people who want to transition from their nine to five into real estate. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people and we help a lot of um, busy professionals who are in corporate or just, you know, doctors, lawyers or busy professionals who are looking to get out of the grind or they're trying to just build something on the side uh, to build wealth for their family. Uh, And so we've talked to like hundreds of investors who are trying to do that. And there's a few things that that stand out in terms of what, what stops people, right. And what, and why they don't take that leap. Um, So, you know, there's, there's four key sort of steps that we've come up with that just helps give like a step-by-step of what you need to do to be able to um, plan out how you're going to do that, right? Um, quit your job or become an entrepreneur. Um, so the first step one is figuring out what your vision is for your life, right? What your 10 or 15 year vision looks like that you want to achieve. Uh, because a lot of times what we do is we we get all these goals together, but the goals don't really align with where we're trying to go. So like, Think 10 or 15 years ahead where you want to be, what whether you want financial freedom or time freedom or whatever that vision is and make it articulated as much as you can, right? Because that, that really helps. Once you have that vision, then kind of figure out, okay, what strategy do I sort of, you know, adopt, whether it's a real estate investment strategy or a business or whatever you're trying to do that aligns with that vision, right? So if your goal is to have time freedom, pick a business that's a little bit more passive. And for us in our vision, time was one of the key sort of factors that we wanted to have, right? Even as we uh, track the KPS for our business, then one of the key things we track is time, how much time you're spending on the business. And we want to minimize that um, and still, grow as much as we can. So um, if that's your goal, uh, then real estate is amazing because it gives you that level of passive income, right? And there's still work, but it's still a lot more passive and you can do it from anywhere. So pick your real estate strategy um, is number two or any business that you want to do, right? Um, And then third is once you have a strategy, then figure out, okay, if I were to do this business or if I were to do this strategy, um, what are the things that I need to learn, right? Where are the gaps in my knowledge? What's the bridge that I need to build uh, to get me to uh, be this person who runs a business or who uh, owns a big portfolio? And uh, once you know those gaps, then just figure out how you're going to do that, like acquire that knowledge. There's so many resources out there that you can do that. There's people who can teach you, people who've already done this, who can just teach you, right? Why reinvent the wheel? Um, and you can learn that pretty easily from somebody who's done that. Um, and then finally, just um, I always kind of say, um, obsess, don't dabble when it comes to implementing, right? Like when you, a lot of people kind of want to have a portfolio, but they, it's hard to kind of get the motivation to do it consistently for a long period of time. Um, and that's when I say, like, if you obsess about um, doing it every day and have a strong why of why you're trying to do it to keep that motivation going, uh, it'll help you get there. So those are kind of, you know, just high level steps that I think may be helpful. So you you mentioned at the beginning that a lot of people want to do this, but they don't start. What is it that's preventing them from starting? Great question. I think um, I have a few reasons, right? One is um, the fear of what if 
a fear of failure, right? Like what if I fail? What if I do it and it doesn't work? Um, another one that I hear is um, I don't have the time, <laughs> right? That's a very common one. Um, another one that I hear is um, I don't have the capital to invest or start a business. Uh, and I think all of these can be solved for, right? So if you... Um, if you lack the knowledge, if you ha- if fear is what's stopping you, fear of failure, work on getting the knowledge. And there's so many mindset trainings out there. Like we we run a program and we teach you about how to get the, get in the right mindset to be able to overcome that fear. How do you get over your limiting beliefs, right? Things like that. Um, if you think time is an issue, time is there's never going to be a perfect time, right? Like when we started our business, we were both in you know, demanding careers. And we had like two little kids under the age of three, right? And so there's never a perfect time to start. You need to start now. Um, and capital is, you know, I would say you you can always find capital. I mean, there's, there's right now we're in a historic, historically low interest rate environment. Money is so easy to get. So there's always solutions for that. But I think those are the three big reasons why I think people don't don't start. Fear, time, and money. And I think the fear is probably the hardest one, I think, right? It's overcoming yourself. Um, And the reality is, is we all have the same 168 hours a week. You have to choose how you spend it. And I think many people waste a lot of their time. They, They do things that provide no value and they don't put their priorities first and they don't offload the things that that they can get rid of. Yeah. And that is somewhat of a shame. Yes, it is. You know, I'll tell you, like, we used to watch, now I look back, uh, we used to watch Netflix and every series on Netflix. And we were like, wait, what did we do? <laughs> that was fun, don't get me wrong. But like, it's just so much you can do that's so much more fulfilling than, you know, watching stuff all day. Do you find people struggle with the first step, which is to have a clear vision? Absolutely. Um, I think so. I mean, I think having a clear vision is 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 difficult because you wanna you have to th- stop and think, right? I think what the, a good thing, a silver lining of this pandemic has been that it has given people time to introspect a little bit, right? Everyone's like, wait, what are what am I trying to really achieve here with my life? And I think people have had more time to do that. But yes, like having a vision. Um, is important because without that, what what do you even know um, your next step is going to be? And that's true. I have found that once you have your destination, the next step is easy. But but defining the destination takes a lot of time. Now, it sounds like for you, it took quite a while to figure out that vision, didn't it? Yes, it took. We were uh, I was in corporate for 15 years until I figured it out. (laughs) That's a lot. So this is not something you just get immediately. It it takes time to to do that. And then that means you also need to create the space. And as you said, today, people have a little bit more space because a lot of people aren't commuting and it's a little bit easier to set boundaries and you don't have to play the corporate games like you used to a lot of times. Um, so yeah. it has opened up that space. And then once you know where you're going, it's figuring out what the right strategy is for you. I don't know, in talking to people, have you noticed that a lot of times people pick the wrong strategy for their visions? 
I think that's spot on. Yes. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially in real estate and probably, I think Rocky, you're in the real estate or you, uh, you know, tend to work with people in the real estate industry as well. Um, you know, it, it's, there's so many shiny objects out there that <laughs> it's hard for people to sort of pick one thing and run with it. And, you know, I hear people all the time, like they'll, they'll say, yep, uh, I think I'm going to do syndications. And then they'll say, wait, but wholesaling, there's, it's so much more fun and I could start today. And so um, I think that's partly, so I think one of the amazing things that internet has done is, is just so much access to information, which is awesome. So you know what your options are, but that's also kind of difficult because now you have so many options. Um, and so kind of knowing what picks, what sort of fits your vision is, is important. And that's true. And, you know, you mentioned the two different types of, of real estate and, and there's there's a hundred ways to do real estate, which I think is important to realize. Sometimes it's a game plan. So with syndication, you need money, right? That's the deal. You need to either you're the syndicator or you need to bring money to the table, whereas wholesaling requires you to start without any money. Yeah. And so what I have found people do is they they actually put the plan together correctly. So they start by wholesaling because yeah. it doesn't require capital. It requires time. And then they use the money that they make from that to then usually they go into single family. Uh, they start buying properties or some small multifamilies. And then they they go from the single family homes to larger projects and then at some point, they may just walk out of the project, sell them all and go into syndication. So it's not that there is one perfect way to do this. There's a path. And you've got to figure out for you what that path is and, and which way it works. And, yes. And, how and, to do and just to just to add, add to what you said, Rocky, which is if you're a busy professional and if you have a corporate job that's demanding, don't learn wholesaling or, you know, something that generates more income because your problem is not income. Your problem that you're trying to fix is wealth. You're already getting income from your, you know, day job. So figure out a long-term investing strategy, whether it's, you know, small single families or whatever it is, but buy and holds because that's what's going to generate wealth. And it's going to take lesser time for you to do as well. And it's true. And there, as you said, there's lots of money available out there. So if you have money, go find somebody who doesn't have money, who has time, let them run your deals. Yes. And then you get the money. And over time, you can build up enough wealth to, to walk away from your corporate. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, Speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. 
Do people struggle with the motivation and figuring out their why? Good question. Yeah, I think I think people do. Like I struggled a bit with it for a long time. Like I didn't even know um, until my mid-30s what path. I mean, I was just kind of an autopilot, right? I didn't really, I wasn't very intentional about where I was going. Um, and I think people struggle with it. And um, And I've realized that for me, it came to me because of the kids. For me, that was the why. But it can be different things for different people, right? Like maybe it's a life-changing event or or maybe um, it's something that you sit and realize and introspect one day and be like, all right, something needs to change. Um, you can you can create that, although some like for me, it happened organically, but uh, but it but it can happen. So if you can if it can happen organically, I'm sure you can m- sort of convince your mind to do that (laughs) at some level if you do it for a period of time maybe you can do that as well i'm sure well i think and that's the problem most people are told go to school get a job right get a dog get married buy a house and you'll be happy and i think people start following that path and as you said the longer you were on it the more disillusioned you become because that's not your you didn't pick it you just followed somebody else's desires. And and I think that's one of the biggest struggles that we get is school doesn't teach you how to figure out what you want in life. It tells you what to do. It doesn't, and it may not be for you. Yes. (laughs) And it sounds like it wasn't for you. (laughs) It was not. It was not. And, you know, I think it's most people in corporate, like if you ask them, hey, are you really happy with your job? They're going to say, eh, not really. I do it because it gives me a paycheck, right? And so, and, and by the way, that's a paycheck that could go away if there's a reorg or if your company decides that you're not a good fit. And I've seen that happen so many times, even to people who are very, very good performers in corporate. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it's how much control do you have over your destiny? When you're in corporate, when they make job cuts, they do it through some black box. They don't decide, hey, these are our best employees. Large companies just make these weird decisions based on, I don't know where they even get the the formula for, for how they do it. And then other times it's, there might just be somebody in the company that doesn't like you for whatever reason. Maybe you're a threat to them because you are a top performer and they're not. And if they're above you in the chain, (laughs) you know, this stuff happens all the time. And I do hear that a lot. People, you know, they're there for the paycheck. They don't love the job or they love what they do. They just don't like the atmosphere. And so I, I always struggle to say, how do we get people unstuck? How do we get them to finally look in the mirror and say, I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to build the one that I want. You know, it's it's very interesting you say that uh, because one of the things that that I, that society kind of tells us and media and everything is, look, get over your pain. Like, you know, it's okay. Like, you know, you, you get toughen up, right? That's the advice we get. We're like, yeah, it's okay. Everybody, you you got to work through that pain. It's like, no, you don't. There's certain kinds of pain you don't have to work through, and. Um, I remember telling my wife sometimes when I came back from work, when I didn't have a good day at work, even though in jet, by and large, I, I love my work, but there's certain days that I didn't have a good day. And I used to come back and tell her, this is why I'm going to quit my job one day. And I reminded myself of the pain and connected with my pain because 
that made me take action. But if you just kind of say, oh, you know what? It made me feel bad, but I'm just going to watch a movie to make me feel better. Guess what? You're going to feel better and you're going to be back in that same loop again. Does the movie merely make you feel better? <laughs> I don't know. I was just threw something <laughs> out there. <laughs> I was going to say ice cream, but I don't know. <laughs> well, we medicate, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Whether it be Netflix ice cream or a glass of wine, whatever yeah. <laughs> your uh, your choice of uh, how you do that and how it kind of comes together. That's right. So was it easy? Like, you know, we've talked about this whole process and you make it sound so easy, but was it that easy? No, I mean, I, I think... Um, we, and, and to be honest, like we tried a few different businesses. So before we got into real estate, we were like, oh, let's try, let's try, um, um, you know, retail arbitrage or like people sell stuff on Amazon all the time, right? Like that, or maybe, uh, we tried like an art thing where we sold like art for, for artists and we tried a few different things and it ever like nothing really stuck. But then we realized, wait, real estate, we both love real estate. We used to go to open houses just for the sake of it. And we just loved looking at houses. So we're like, yeah, why not do that? Uh, so you're not going to find something that you like doing the first first time you try it. But we could have easily given up after the first couple of business attempts and not done anything else, right? But you just keep trying until you find something. And what I suggest to people is if you're trying things, don't go all in, like, don't make a $20,000 bet on a website because you're trying out a new idea. I, I think too often they spend too much on the business cards and the website and the, and all of that stuff. And they haven't even tested their idea, nor have they tested if they even like it. Yes. And you talked about um, the arbitrage. That's a tough business to be in. It it sounds so easy, but when Amazon takes 30% or eBay takes, you know, whatever percent eBay takes, and then the ads that go behind it, yeah. it's really hard to make money in that business. And I, I know many of them who are seven-figure sellers right. and there's no money. Oof. It's a it's a tough business and it's a lot of work. Yeah, it, Amazon can decide to come up with a competing product or just not list it and you're gone. <laughs> and they kick people off their platforms. I so One of my friends was uh, recently almost got kicked off of Amazon. Um, another one almost got kicked off of YouTube where they were doing all their advertising and their spends on that system. Um, so you have to be rather careful with whose platform you were doing business on. Because if it's not your real estate or if it's not your world, then it's it's difficult. But there's nothing wrong with, I mean, I don't know any entrepreneur, I think that that had a straight line to success. Yeah. You got to try different things out. If real estate's one, great. The, the, the reason real estate works so well, I think, is because there's a defined market, meaning everybody needs a house to live in. And there are ways to find deals. You just got to figure it out. Um, and if you can figure those things out and you're good at it, it's good. And there's a hundred different ways to do real estate as well. Totally. And, you know, just to add to what you said, like, uh, I wasn't a born entrepreneur because I, I hear a lot of stories from entrepreneurs who are like, who did that since they were kids. Like, oh, I sold this when I was six years old or seven years old. I wasn't that person. I didn't even know, like, 
when I told my parents I was going to go into entrepreneurship, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> are you going to throw away your corporate career? And so what I'm saying is you don't have, don't, you don't have to be a born entrepreneur to do this, right? There's, as you said, there's a defined path in real estate you can take and you can take one small risk at a time. You don't have to go all in. Um, and so it's totally possible. You said your parents gave you flack for doing this. Did, did your friends and people at work also do the same? They were, um, they were pretty shocked because the thing is that I, when I uh, decided to quit, I was literally um, about to get promoted and it was, um, I was doing really well. Everybody loved me at work and it was, everybody was shocked to say, wait, why are you leaving this job? And, um, and, and then when they, when I kind of told them a little bit about the business and how big it had gotten on the real estate side, they're like, oh yeah, that I would do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that's interesting. They said I would do that. And yet, did any of them do it? No. No. 98% of people don't take action. It's, you know, it's, it's all there. It's so possible. It's just, I think people think that this other person did it, but I can't because maybe that person had access to more capital or had more knowledge or got lucky or something. But that's not true. Everybody can do it. And that's true. You can always find a business that doesn't require capital. If you've got, if you don't have money, you have time. And somewhere between the two, you'll find your, your way through. Um, And you figure out how to do it and how to get through it. Yeah. Anything else that uh, occurred on your journey that you think others could learn from? Mm, I think another thing that I would say, one thing I wish somebody had told me this, this is more of people who are trying to think about entrepreneurship or real estate. Um, I wish somebody had told me like 10 years back, the difference between income and wealth, right? Like I I thought for the longest time, just because both my wife and I were earning like good salaries, we're like, oh, this is great. This is going to translate into wealth, right? (laughs) And it doesn't because, uh, you know, we tend to, even if you save a bit, like we all build our lifestyles in a way that we can't really translate into wealth. And it takes, if if you're going to build assets, the only way you can build wealth is by buying a lot of assets, right? That generate this passive income for you and appreciate over time. Uh, but that takes a lot of time and investment in, in growing that portfolio. And, uh, but I wish somebody told me, I wish I'd started when I was 25 and I would have a much larger portfolio. <laughs> um, and so uh, there's a difference between income and wealth, which I don't think uh, a lot of people appreciate as much. Um, as they, should. they don't, people don't save enough. And, and the reality is, is I think where they came up with the 10% or whatever savings rate was designed for somebody who started saving at 21 and wanted to retire at 65. So that's 44 years of saving. Most people don't want to do that. And if that's the case, you really have to up your savings rate. Going to, I know people who are at 20, 30, 40, 50% savings rates. And if you save half of your income, it doesn't take that long to get to the point where you have total financial freedom and you can leave and then you can go do what you love. Whether or not you make money at it at that point doesn't even matter because 
you're just doing what you love. And the, the thing that you will find out at that point is if you're doing what you love and the world needs it, there's a good chance you'll make a lot more money than you ever imagined by doing that. And, but you gotta, this is not overnight success. You know, it, it takes time. You keep showing up and doing the work and little by little you'll get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you got to (laughs) start. You just have to start. And there is, I see, I keep people, you know, I I hear people all the time. Yeah. I'm going to start next week or I'm going to, yeah, right now is a really busy time. So give me a couple of months. Like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. You just got to start. It doesn't, you have to start and you've got to start now. And it, these things will go on simultaneously. Yeah. So yeah, it's the excuse of tomorrow is, is just that it, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. (laughs) So you talked about the the program. So do you have a program that you offer people? Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let me tell you a little bit about the strategy that we do. And then that's basically what we teach in the program. Okay. So um, we do, so we started off with rent ready rentals, essentially, right? So we would buy, um, you know, a, a property with 25% down and then rent it out the next day. Uh, which is great. You know, the properties are great and they're cash flowing. But the challenge was that every time you have to buy a property, you have to come up with $30,000, $40,000 of cash <laughs> for the seed money. And we're like, well, yeah, this is not very scalable because we can do maybe two or three a year, but not more. Um, and that's when we stumbled upon the value add investing strategy. Some people call it the Burr strategy, which is you buy a distressed property, um, you rehab it uh, to force the appreciation you rent it out, and then you refinance at the end and pull all your cash out. So what that does is you can recycle the same cash that you put in the property, you can pull it back out in a few months and use that same capital for the next deal and the next deal and the next deal. So um, that just removes the capital constraint and you can scale a lot faster. So before the birth strategy, if you're doing two or three houses a year, now we can do 15 to 20 a year just because of um, the scaling component, right? and that's what we teach in the program. So we didn't start with a lot of money. So we started around with around twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars, and that's what we teach people. It's like if you have twenty or twenty-five k to invest, we'll show you how to turn that into a multi-million-dollar portfolio. Um, and we did it in, you know, we did build a five-million-dollar portfolio in about three years. Uh, so it's totally doable. And a lot of our our students are doing the same thing. So what we teach in the program is. Everything from how do you buy the property, what where do you invest, what kind of house do you buy, how much do you fix it up, how do you run the rehab project, um, how do you then uh, rent it out, how do you refinance and pull your cash out um, to the end-to-end process. Um, but also we teach you how to do that out of state, right? So you could be, because a lot of people are like live in California, New York, like, well, I, I can't really invest here. So we'll teach you how to invest out of state and build the teams and boots on the ground out of state so you can do that no matter where you are. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's always good to have that. Once you have that system, it just works. And either you create your own system, which takes longer, or you partner with somebody and you you use their system. And then then it's much, much easier. If people would like to learn more about that system and more about you, how is the best way for them to connect? Yeah, so they can you can reach out to me either on LinkedIn, um, Niti Jamdar, um, or we have a Facebook group. It's called Real Estate Investing for Busy Professionals. Um, you can it's a free Facebook group. We add a lot of uh, value on there, a lot of tips and tricks of the trade. So feel free to follow us there. And we'll put those in the show notes to make it easy for people to find. 
Perfect. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Rocky, for having me. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.